from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Researchers in Louisiana, this is a big question. How do we restore and ensure production of oysters in the future? See what they're doing to protect this important industry. Early season rain had cotton producers in West Texas hopeful. This year was just kind of a devastating year. We'll see what's left to harvest. As the leaders of China and the U.S. meet face to face, the latest on what was discussed between the two economic superpowers, right now on Ag Day. Good morning, I'm Michelle Rock coming to you from our studios in Kansas City. Clinton is on assignment. The U.S. is hoping for a better relationship with China following the highly anticipated meeting between President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping. The leaders discussed a variety of topics. As Jen Sullivan reports, a lot was at stake heading into the meeting. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping coming together face-to-face -face for the first time in a year Wednesday. The high-stakes meeting taking place outside San Francisco on the sidelines of the Asia-Pacific Economic Corporation Forum, known as APEC. I believe there are some of the most constructive and productive discussions we've had. Biden and Xi met for roughly four hours discussing topics like pledging to restore military communication, taking steps to curb fentanyl production, and having direct lines of contact between leaders. He and I agreed that each one of us could pick up the phone, call directly, and we'd be heard immediately. Wednesday's meeting, though, comes amid rising tensions between the two nations. In the last year, there have been numerous incidents causing turmoil, like the U.S. shooting down a Chinese spy balloon that crossed over the U.S., though China denied it was spying and concerns the Chinese government was using TikTok to spy on Americans, Xi acknowledging the country's rocky relationship. China-U.S. relationship has never been smooth sailing over the past 50 years or more, and it always faces problems of one kind or another. The war in Ukraine also fueling friction as China strengthens its relationship with instigator Russia and the U.S. aligns with Ukraine. The ongoing turbulence in the Middle East, also a topic of discussion. The United States will continue to compete vigorously with the PRC but we'll manage that competition responsibly. Because a lot was at stake, the meeting was carefully coordinated. It was held at an historic state in the Southern Bay Area. Everything from the flowers to the food being carefully thought out in hopes the meeting would bring reduced strain. I'm Jen Sullivan reporting. The government will stay open for now. A temporary funding plan has arrived at the president's desk after it cleared the House and Senate this week. And while the Senate signed off on the spending plan last night, that doesn't mean the battle is over. The first part of the bill's two-tiered funding runs out just into the new year. And some House Republicans say they want Speaker Mike Johnson to push back against Democrats. The measure includes an extension of the 2018 Farm Bill through September of next year. There's a lot of things that are outside of the Senate Agriculture Committee's control. And a lot of that is floor time funding the government, all sorts of factors that we can only do what we can control, right? And we wanted to provide producers with the certainty of what is going to happen for 2024 crop year. And so all four corners came together to agree on a bipartisan extension. So everything that was in the 2018 Farm Bill policy-wise gets extended to 2024. Um, and that gives the committees a little bit more runway to make sure that we need a Farm Bill done, but we need the right Farm Bill done. Trying to get a trillion dollar uh, package like the Farm Bill done in this hyper-partisan, hyper-fractured environment uh, is just a recipe for, for disaster for those critical farm programs uh, that producers around the country, regardless of what part of agriculture they're in, rely on. So it's, it's 
although I know people were in a hurry to get the farm bill done on time and really wanting to, to, to get that product out the door, this gives everybody a little bit of time to finish that important work, make sure they do it right, um, and, and sell it to the, to the members of Congress on both sides that aren't involved in that ag conversation. The spending package keeps government funding at current levels for roughly two more months while a long-term package is negotiated. It splits the deadlines for passing full-year appropriations bills into two dates, January 19th for some federal agencies and February 2nd for others, creating two deadlines where there will be a risk of a partial government shutdown. Some areas of the Midwest seeing temperatures soar into the 60s yesterday, but colder temperatures are on the way. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht has an update. Yeah, of course, that big story was uh, the warm up in and across the nation this week. Well, that is coming uh, to an end. Now, when I flip this over to the high temperatures uh, coming up uh, for tomorrow, uh, it's actually going to be uh, through the overnight hours as temperatures start to tumble. So uh, Chicago, Cincinnati, uh, 62 in Memphis, 54 in Minneapolis. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, typically, uh, we assume the high temperature for the day is right in the middle of the afternoon. But a lot of these high temperatures are actually going to be registered a little bit earlier in the day. Good sign of a strong cold front coming through. That's going to be the first of two cold fronts in the forecast. Go ahead, take a look at your screen here. Beautiful shot. That sun's starting to set, lighting up the cloud cover uh, in and across uh, the area. This uh, photo being shared by Seth Lawrence in Indiana. Uh, you've got the whole thing here. Beautiful backdrop of the clouds and setting sun and some good looking corn and equipment. I'll have a look at the day in the life at heart uh, a day a look at a day in the life of harvest. I'll have more on your forecast in just a bit. The Cotton Harvest Tour on Ag Day is brought to you by Delta Pine, dedicated to cotton, committed to you. Our 2023 cotton tour is rolling on. In its latest crop progress report, USDA says 67% of the cotton harvest is now complete. That's 4% behind the five-year average. Texas has now moved beyond the halfway point. Now 56% harvested, 1% ahead of normal. As Farm Journal's Tyne Morgan reports from West Texas, this cotton harvest is one many farmers would like to forget. No matter where you go in West Texas this year. This year was just kind of a devastating year. The story is the same. This is my 49th crop and it's been the toughest one to make. The 2023 cotton crop is one these farmers would like to forget. I've talked to a lot of my farmer friends about that. It's one of these things, let's get this one behind us, get it out of the books and let's get on to a better one. Bobby Rackler says everything that could go wrong this year did. Just everything went against it. 46 days of over 100 degrees, no humidity. The combination of heat and drought dried up hopes of growing a crop. Casey Jones's farm ground is right on the edge of Lubbock, and he says 2023 ended up producing a lot of similarities to 2022. You know, we started off really dry and windy from all the way from February, March, April. We had heavy sustaining winds with 82 mile an hour straight line winds. After winds and drought demolished cover crops and winter wheat area farmers had planted late last year, they finally saw some rain that delayed planting. 13 inches of rain in May and, you know, really thought that was going to be change our luck a little bit and kind of go into a summer that was actually wet. But that relief was extremely short lived as the summer weather zapped the moisture that came in May. We sustained 100 degrees for 60 days plus, and so you can understand, I mean, people don't do good in 100 degrees. So you can imagine what plants do with limited water or, you know, even excessive water. It's, it's really tough. The fields of what these farmers are harvesting now are all that's left. Everyone I've talked to, they're all disappointed. 
Uh, their yields are way down. Some of them lost all of it and they're not even harvesting. Fields that have no irrigation didn't even survive the harsh weather this year. The dry land is a total failure. And like I said, all this irrigated is making a half of what it usually makes. Usually a normal year, this drip, two gallon drip will make three bales, but this year it's only making about a bale and a half, near as we can tell. With delayed planting and then warm weather this fall that delayed their first freeze, harvest is running a couple weeks behind right now. But Jones thinks with such a dismal crop, harvest on his farm may only last a week. I've heard that across the board around here. That's it's about two bells, two and a quarter on drip. And then I've got some pivots that'll probably go anywhere between a bell and a bell and a half. As cotton prices drop, these farmers know profits will be slim. But in this area of the country, they also have to protect one of the most precious resources they have. We started the first drip in 2008. It was just a better usage of the water, uh, no evaporation. I, I was skeptical at first, but uh, I found out, yeah, it'll work. And it, it stretched our water a lot more. Rackler says this farm used to have three pivots, pumping 1,200 gallons a minute. Now I'm down to 500 gallons on these same wells, and uh, it's just stretching your water further and utilizing it the best way you can. But drip irrigation comes with a cost, as it's double the price of pivot irrigation systems. Yet it's those investments these farmers hope will pay off longer term. It's kind of the rule of 10, you know, you're you're going to get several good years in there, you're going to get a lot of bad years, and you've got to make sure to manage those bad years with the good years. Investing in the future while also surviving the harsh realities of 2023. Jones says there's only one way to summarize the year that West Texas farmers just endured. Let's wait for next year. <laughs> Thanks so much, Time. Coming up, soybeans took hit on Thursday while corn made some gains. I'll have more on the role reversal in markets now. And later, new numbers on just how much of the food dollar is going back to the farm. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when experience meets expertise. Pioneer, what's next happens here. For the third straight month, the overall Royal Main Street Index has sunk below growth neutral. The index from Creighton University sinking to a three-year low of 40.4. That's down from the October reading of 44.4. Now, the survey of bank CEOs in rural America reporting that economic confidence dropped to its lowest level since the survey began in 2006. Those asked pointing to higher borrowing costs, economic losses for pork producers, and lower exports as reasons for the drop. More than 84% of the bankers are urging the Federal Reserve not to make any changes to interest rates during its meeting next month. Welcome to Markets Now, a mixed day in both grain and livestock futures trade on Thursday. Jim McCormick with agmarket.net joining us. All right, soybeans pulling back on Thursday pretty hard, Jim. Um, were we taking out some Brazilian weather premium? That's exactly what happened, Michelle. Early in the week, we put premium in. They were talking hot, dry weather this, up, this week rain this upcoming week and then a little bit of debate what's going to happen the week after um here as we wrap up toward the end of the trading week there's a little bit more confidence the rain is coming maybe a little bit harder rain and that was enough for uh, some of the early buyers early in the week to take some money off the table did we do any technical damage to that bean market i believe not not yet michelle we still held actually monday's lows so like i said no technical damage just a little bit of fundamental pullback 
the volatility is going to be coming out of the weekend. If we come out of this weekend going into the holiday trade of Thanksgiving, it could really be explosive. If the rains disappoint, we could see a sharply move higher. But on the other end, if we get better rains in the modeling as well as longer range maps, can you show some rain in the forecast? You could see more additional pressure, which could then cause some technical damage. Conversely and surprisingly enough, corn went the opposite direction of soybeans. So is that just some short covering or what was going on? I think it was a combination of technically they tried to break the corn market early in the session. It ran out of sellers. The funds were trying to sell early, sold around 6,000 contracts, reversed it and bought it back. The other storyline a lot of people in the industry are looking at is an unwinding of the spreads uh, where there were short corn, long beans, short corn, long wheat, whatever it may be, the short corn side of that spread was being liquidated here and that kind of gave the corn a little bit of a boost. Yeah, corn and, and soybean spread unwinding certainly makes sense. What about the cattle market? A pretty good plunge on Thursday. So, you know, was that just a function of the lower cash or caution before this cattle on feed report? You nailed it. Lower cash uh, down a couple dollars in the south. Uh, that kind of spooked a little bit of fun, a little bit of liquidation in the futures as well as this cattle on feed report. It was a bearish surprise uh, last month, a little bit of long liquidation in front of that in case it's a bearish surprise in the November report. Do you think we have a lot more downside risk in the cattle market, Jim? I don't believe so. I think in general, Michelle, it's more of a sideways market right now. The consumer demand is a little bit spooky at the moment, but if you look at the past quarter's retail sales, they were all better than expected. But we do need to keep an eye on how the holiday sales go. Very good. Thanks for joining us, Jim McCormick, agmarket.net. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. To contact Jim McCormick at Ag Market, call 844-4-AG-MARKET or visit their website at www.agmarket.net. got the precipitation outlook November 21st through the 25th and uh, start to see a couple of things showing up uh, minimal in terms of uh, precipitation in and across the Midwest with a maximum uh, back up into the higher elevations and that's kind of been something that we've been seeing show up the last couple of days. Same situation on the East Coast. Some of these systems lifting out of the Gulf Coast and back up to the north uh, providing some rain possibly even some stronger thunderstorms back down and to the southeast. As for the temperature outlook so pocket of cold air uh, moving through November 21st and the 25th. If this was uh, deeper into winter and we had enough moisture, we'd be talking about a decent snowstorm, but a lot of this is going to be relatively dry uh, for the area again, November 21st through the 25th. Now here's a look at the jet stream, you know, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. You got a ridge of high pressure building in and across the United States, but watch what comes through as we get into Sunday and Monday of next week. A surge of some colder air coming on into the Midwest right now lining up into Minneapolis, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and back down here into Illinois and Indiana. It'll start to exit back up to the north. And where this digs, we got a ridge that's going to amplify or grow over here towards the west coast. So drier and warmer than average conditions with this cold air again nudging in and across the United States. Relatively speaking, kind of shallow. This should be moving out as we get through the Thanksgiving holiday and into next week with temperatures starting to rebound. Otherwise, revisiting what we just looked at temperatures this afternoon, seeing more of the 60s and the 40s. Otherwise, going into the weekend, a lot of these temperatures are going to be coming down as we go into tomorrow morning, as well as uh, the next couple of days. Here's a look at a couple of cities in and across the nation. They start off with sunny skies, plaza high around 48 degrees, low of 27. A Watertown, sunny high of 47, low of 28. 
Red Wing, Wisconsin, partly cloudy and windy, high of 46. Later, see what's being done to protect Louisiana's oyster supply in the country. The farm share of the U.S. food dollar took a dip last year. The Economic Research Service says farms receive 14.9 cents per dollar on food produced here in the U.S. That's a drop of 0.3 cents from 15.2 cents in 2021. The farm share, by the way, covers operating expenses as well as input costs from non-farm businesses. The remaining portion of the food dollar is known as the marketing share. That covers the cost of getting the food from farms to where it can be purchased. So that's transportation, processing, and selling. Researchers say the long-term downward trend in the farm share is attributed to an increase in spending at restaurants and the added cost of preparing and serving those meals. The American Farm Bureau Federation is out with its annual survey of just how much your Thanksgiving meal will cost. And it says overall prices are down from last year's record high. It says the classic holiday fees for 10 people averages $61.17 or less than $6.20 per person. That's a 4.5% decrease from last year. But it's still 25% higher than it was in 2019 due to high supply costs and inflation. Now the centerpiece of the feast, the turkey, helped to bring down the overall cost, with the average price for a 16-pound turkey coming in at just over $27, or $1.71 per pound. That's down 5.6% from last year. Meanwhile, pumpkin pie mix and dinner rolls are seeing the largest increases. Coming up, hurricanes, floods, wild weather swings, they can all impact Louisiana's waters. And that includes its oysters. We'll see what's being done to create and maintain healthy environments for them to grow in the country. Environmental conditions must be right to sustain a healthy oyster population. To help predict where future Gulf Coast oyster production might be successful, scientists with the LSU Ag Center are developing maps to show what areas might be conducive to supporting oysters. Craig Gotro has this story from the LSU campus. Louisiana's coastal areas are constantly in flux. Changing conditions caused by extreme weather can cause huge swings in salinity levels and lead to higher water temperatures. These fluctuations can be problematic for raising oysters. Scientists with the LSU Ag Center are trying to predict where oyster production will be most suitable in the future. The main goal of this project was to develop a set of maps that are based on oyster physiology and biology that can contribute to the discussions related to how do we restore and ensure production of oysters in the future. Salinity and oxygen levels, food resources and water temperatures play a major role in creating an environment in which oysters can thrive. You first put your energy into maintenance, so basically to stay alive. And then if you have extra energy, you will start growing. And when you have enough energy to deal with those needs, then you can put energy into reproduction. La Pair is trying to identify where these places may be based on future climate projections. And she is seeing some potential changes in future sites. The good salinity, or even some of the um, conditions are moving further southward, down, down estuary. La Pair believes that maintaining a healthy environment for oysters is beneficial. They're considered what we call ecosystem engineers, which means like anyone that fishes knows that you go near an oyster reef because there's usually a lot of fish there and they provide habitat for juveniles. They are filter feeders, so they clear our water column. 
Studies like this one can be valuable because they provide insight to oyster production in Louisiana, which is somewhat unique because of its proximity to the Mississippi River. With the LSU Ag Center, this is Craig Gotro reporting. Thanks, Craig. That's all the time we have for this morning. Thanks for watching. For all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Michelle Ruff. Have yourself a great day.